You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Ridgecrest Baptist Church in Springfield, Missouri. To connect with us or learn more, visit us online at ridgecrestbaptist.org. We're in Philippians chapter 1 today, beginning in verse 9. If you will, stand with me as we stand upon the solid rock of God's Word. I have three verses for you today. Don't worry, I will fill this 30 minutes, okay? I know some of you are worried that I won't be able to do it, but we'll figure out a way, okay? So let's look at verse... Yeah, Johnny says he'll come and help me out. All right, verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let's pray. Lord, bring us your glory today. We need to be in your presence. This world can be difficult, but Lord, our eyes are on you, and you're in another world. You're in a better place. And I pray, Lord, that if we are not in a good place today, if, if the feeling in this room has felt foreign, if, if we're pushing against it, Lord, I, I pray you'll break down our walls so that we can experience your abundant, abounding love. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. Years ago, I came across a series of books, uh, five volumes, I think it is, A.T. Robinson. He was, uh, they called him Uncle Bob. He was the great Greek guy in, in Southern Baptist circles in the 1860s and 70s. And he wrote this book called Word Pictures in the New Testament. And what's, what's genius about it is, is that the Greek language is actually uh, a very expressive language. Lots of verbs, lots of, lots of beautiful word pictures. And I mention that to you here today because our three verses today, as I was reading them, my, my mind was just flooded with these word pictures. And some of them I believe God just kind of laid on my heart, but they, they really do flow from the text. And much of the vocabulary here is, is very, very vibrant. And so what I want you to do is just get that in your mind today that we have some pictures. And, and we think uh, in pictures, we, we learn from pictures, and I'm hoping today that as we look at how love abounds, we will see pictures of Christian love and that our hearts will be filled with the Spirit today. Last week, we began looking at Paul's prayer at the beginning of Philippians. It begins there in verse 3 and ends in verse 11, which we just finished today. This beautiful prayer of Paul, uh, I believe one of the things we see in the early verses there is he's telling us that, that Satan is, is always trying, or he's insinuating that Satan is trying to steal our joy. And we talked about how prayer can put a lock on that so that we don't lose our joy. That's what we talked about last week. But here's the deal. You can have a lot of good locks on your door. That's fantastic, but it's no good if your door is wide open. Years ago, I don't know if you've ever had something like this happen. If you've had kids, I bet you have. We were going on a trip. Somebody had to take the dog out for the last time, and we had a walkout basement in the, in the downstairs. And someone, I don't know who it was, I don't want to cast any blames on my precious family, but someone didn't close the door. And we were gone for a week. And our basement door was wide open for an entire week. Now, that's not our, our house didn't look that good. But anyway, I, I wanted to show you. What it, what it looks like here. Just imagine that door to the basement being open all week long. Now, I didn't intend to have an Airbnb for the critters in the neighborhood. 
But that, that was what we invited. We invited all the wild animals from the neighborhood to come in. I was absolutely shocked that there was no evidence of no critters in there. I, I, I don't know. I, I guess somebody was praying for me at the church because it could have been really bad. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Um, when we think about what God is doing in our hearts, when we think about all the different things that he wants for us, he really wants us to be filled with love. But the truth is, if we leave any of the doors to, to who we are open, uh, what's going to happen is, is the enemy is going to infiltrate. And so I want you to think, as, as, if there's a lock on the door to keep joy in, I think we need to shut the door. We need to bring to completion, as Paul says there in verse 6. We need to close the door on what's going on out in the world because there's so many things trying to not just come in and take up residence in our hearts, bring in sin, but realize when we allow sin into the door, our love cannot grow. Our love will not abound. And the church today, I am convinced more and more and more, we need to be desperate for the love of Jesus to be growing in us. We need to make sure that the love of God is filling us and flowing from us. And I believe this passage will help us see that. And I, I want to just throw this out to you this morning. Are you desperate for love to grow in you? Are you desperate for love to grow in you? Because I think that's what we want to have as believers. We should want to have an abundance of joy. But we need to, this morning, put a little check on our hearts and ask, are we, are we striving for that? Are we hungry for the love of God to grow in us? D.A. Carson, who's one of the probably the best theological minds of our generation, he says in these three verses, we have the ultimate priorities of the gospel. Now, that ought to grab our attention. The ultimate priorities of the gospel. And what I see in this passage, literally in verses 9, 10, and 11, is that the love of God can abound in our thoughts, in our hearts, and in our daily activities. Those are gospel priorities that the love of God will control our minds, our hearts, and then, by extension, by our ministry, our acts, our works, what we do for the Lord. And here today, let me say, if we fail to grow in gospel love, our lives will be vulnerable to satanic intrusion. In other words, we'll keep that basement door open. And there will be the potential for unwelcome uh, critters to come in. And so, if you take a look at this passage this morning, I believe that we can see some incredible things to build our lives on, some beautiful truth this morning that can set you free. Let's begin by talking about how we need to let love control our thoughts. If you look there at verse 9, and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. And notice this. This is not what we would expect when we're talking about love. You would think he would start with the heart. But notice that's not at all what he does. When he speaks of love, the first thing he speaks of is knowledge and discernment. Last week, I think I mentioned to you that one of the key elements of Philippians, everybody knows about joy, that the whole book is dripping with the joy of Jesus. But another thing that this book is so clear about is good thinking, good Christian thinking. In other words, if we are Christians and we have the mind of Christ, 
what does that look like? And how are we then living because we are thinking like Christians? So notice again, this whole context is prayer. And it is my prayer. That's how it starts uh, our verse today. And we need to realize that prayer is such a big part of, of all that Paul does. And a perfect segue for us this week. We have seen how prayer changes even our environment. It, it changes the very ground we're walking on when it is bathed in prayer. And you'll notice if you go back to verse 8, for God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. So the love of Jesus is in Paul's heart. And then verse 9 tells us is that he's praying that the love that is in the Christian heart will abound more and more. In other words, it will grow. Now this is the first picture. This is the first word picture that we have in the text. And it's built on that phrase, abound more and more. This is actually literally sort of the picture of a bucket placed under a faucet. And it's not just filling up, but it is splashing over. What we want to see in this picture is a picture of what God wants for us. You see, he doesn't want to give you enough love to get you by or to get you through the day. But the love of God is, according to verse 9, it is lavish. God wants to lavish his love on you. And the prayer here is that it may abound more and more and more. And this is where we say, okay, how does that happen? And then he starts talking about a kind of you know, language we don't expect with knowledge and discernment. I mean, that sounds like Sunday school language. Not that Sunday school isn't cool, but the, the fact is, is that's where he goes first, is in this idea of getting control of our minds. Now, let me just, as we have this picture of the bucket in front of us, as we're thinking about it together, let me ask the question, what's in your bucket? What have you been putting in your heart? And then the second question I would have for you is, is there any overflow? Or quite frankly, let me just put it to you this way. When, if ever, was there an overflow of love? Was there a time in your life when you felt so much of Jesus' love that it just had to splash out? It had to go out. And I know that we would all like to think that from the moment we became Christians, we've just been uh, splashing out love everywhere we go. How's that working out for you? Because I'm telling you, uh, most of the time when we are having those bad days, it's hard for anything to splash out of us that's anywhere near good. Uh, it's not an easy thing. And we've got to get our minds right. I have to tell you, I, I know that sometimes when we're preaching the Word, it may seem like we're going a, a little too maybe, you know, nerdy or whatever, I don't know. But here's the deal. We, we need depth in the Scriptures because the truth of the matter is the only way we're going to fight back against the despair of this world is to have the Word of God in our hearts. Right. We're here to rightly divide it so that you can consume it and so that you can be filled with abundant love. I'm tired of a bunch of Baptists with empty buckets. We don't want you to kick the bucket. But we want you to have a bucket that's full. And I love the fact that we here at Ridgecrest, I don't know, this is the craziest Baptist church I've ever been a part of. And for the glory of God, I'm glad for it. 
Because some of you seem to actually have some capacity in your bucket for living water. Oh, I'm telling you, I've been around dead Baptists too much in my life. I don't need that anymore. Listen, it's not just Baptist. I think all of us, we start living our lives and we, we forget how good Jesus is. The moment when you found Jesus in this altar and the love you felt in that moment, if that is a distant memory and you haven't felt overflow like that since that moment, then I want to tell you today is a day to start asking God to turn on the spigot and let it flow. It's time for us to experience this love of Jesus. A mind full of love will not have room for anything else. And I'm here to tell you, that's what I'm hoping today is we'll see. That the whole idea here is we close the door to what the enemy is trying to do so that the Lord can fill this house, okay? You are the temple of the living God. You are, uh, you are housing the Holy Spirit. We want to make sure that there is no place for that love to escape. We want that love to be abundant in your heart. We want you to have knowledge and discernment of who God is. And I'm here to tell you, well, this is really the truth in my world, I had the, the privilege from the time I was a young man to, to pour into the Word, to learn original languages, to learn all this fancy stuff. But I'm going to tell you, it's not made me dry. The more I read God's Word, the more I learn about God, the more I am excited about who He is and what He does in my heart and yours. God's Word is good, and there are so many things about God that we need to learn. And it's only through His Word so it's my joy every Sunday to open up the spigot and let that living water flow in here. Because the more you know God, I guarantee you, listen to me, the more you know God, the more you'll love him. The more you know the God of the Bible and find out things like we're going to find out in chapter 2, verse 7, that Jesus emptied himself for us. You see, he emptied himself of all, of his very life, so that we could be filled with love. Did you know that? Did you know that your sins can be nailed to the cross and he will exchange all that darkness? He'll give you his light so that you can be a light shining in the darkness? You may have been a person whose heart was filled with hate, but because of Jesus, you can now live a life of love? Man, the more you get to know the God of Scripture, the more... You can love other people. I'm convinced that if you don't have Jesus' love growing in you, it's going to be harder as you get older loving people because people do stupid things. <laughs> and people are mean. Yeah, amen. That's it. And I have to say, and, I, and I, I'm, this is just a, a word of caution, and I, I'm not trying to be... Uh, mean here at all, but one of the, the most heartbreaking things I've witnessed in ministry in the last 25 plus years, I don't even know how long anymore, but I've witnessed too often people as they grow older in their faith become more cynical and less loving. Now here's what's happened there. What's happened is, is a door was left open and, and some bitterness crept in. And I just want to pause for a moment, and I'm not pointing a finger at anybody because I don't know that I know or have any discernment uh, to who to point a finger at. But my guess is that some of you have left a door open somewhere, and the sweetness of the love of Jesus is something that is, is not growing or has not been growing in your life in a long time. And I'm not here today to tell you God is angry with you, but God is ready for you to change. 
He's ready for you to be altered. One of my wife's favorite stores is called Altered State. Cost me a lot of money every time she walks in that store. But as I understand it, they, that's a Christian organization. And here's the deal. Altered state means that you've been changed. Let me tell you something. If you come to know the Jesus of Scripture, you will have an altered state. That ain't in my notes, but you can have that one for free, all right? So, I believe with all my heart that we need to have this love abounding us. We need to know the love of God so that we can share it. 1 John 5, 1 puts it plainly. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So let me just say this. If you're having trouble loving other people in the body of Christ, that means a door has been left open, and it's time to get right with God. If we are struggling with our relationships with our brothers and sisters, let me tell you, there is no way we can be a witness to our neighbors if we can't get along with those we're going to be forever with in heaven. We need some serious heart check, and it happens first in the head where we understand that Jesus is serious about us knowing him and knowing his love so that we can be filled with it and we can share it. Abundant love mixed with biblical truth results in wise living. We need abundant love. We need biblical truth. And quite frankly, we need some people filled with wisdom. Because when troubles come, we need people who can speak a word of truth to us. We don't need people telling us what they think or what they thought or what they might believe. We need to hear a word from the Lord. And only people who are filled with the love of Jesus will have the answer in season and out of season. We need knowledge and discernment. And love that has no boundaries, universally applied in us, can change everything. There's no law against good things, the love of God like this. And I believe if we will allow love to make our bucket full, we won't have room for sin. And so our first image here is quite simply, we, we, through knowledge and discernment, by knowing God, by knowing Christ, We can have a bucket filled with love. Our our souls can be filled with love. It then splashes over, and we have a witness to a lost world. Now, this is where we would think, if he's talking about abundant, abundant love, where he'd go first. But the second point is, let love control your heart. Look at verse 10. So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now, he doesn't use... The Greek word cardia here, he's not talking about the heart specifically, but notice where he goes. He, he uses the words pure and blameless. So let's talk about what those words mean. Now, in the Bible and in the ancient world and in the modern world, when we're trying to help people understand kind of the heart of who we are, the seat of who we are, we use that word heart. I even used it right there. That's kind of the essence of us. But I want us to think about this for just a moment. Because when we talk about purity and blamelessness, we're talking about our essence. In a sense, kind of where we are emotionally and spiritually. A moment ago when we were talking about knowledge and discernment, that's very much a work of the mind. We're talking about knowing God, knowing biblical truths. That's where we, in in preaching, we're going to take passages of Scripture. We're going to let those passages of Scripture speak to us. We're going to ask questions like, what did it say to the people that Paul was writing to 2,000 years ago? What is it saying to the church today? 
Okay, we want to we want to discern that. We want to be knowledgeable of those things. But we also need to realize that we are social creatures. We have emotions. We have a drive for spirituality. And our emotional and spiritual health is a big part of us experiencing abundant love. If we have brokenness emotionally, if we have brokenness spiritually, if we've had a bad taste in our mouth because of something that's happened in church, let me tell you, if you've ever, as a Baptist, been out on visitation, it won't take you long to find somebody who's been hurt by a church. Someone who is emotionally and spiritually scarred because of the church. And we cannot deny that. And we cannot act like that's not important. We need to, as believers, sometimes we have to say to people, we know that churches have problems and sometimes churches hurt people. And we are here to tell you we're sorry for that. But just know this. If you've been hurt by a person, you can be healed by the person, Jesus Christ. Don't allow, don't allow those of us who sometimes have bad days as Christians uh, make you think ill of Christ because I'm here to tell you, he wants you to grow emotionally and spiritually and for you to experience him. Verse 10 is powerful because it's a reminder to us that when the love of Christ is in us, when we have the doors uh, firmly shut and love is staying within us, We can approve what is excellent. We can be a people of excellence, and that excellence is defined in terms of purity and blamelessness. Now, let me just say this to you. As as Baptists, we believe that when we received Jesus, we were saved, and we believe that Jesus will hold us fast forever, and I believe that's true, but I want to say this to you. It is important that you continue to grow closer to Jesus and that you are striving for purity, that you are striving for blamelessness every day. It is not okay to continue in sin when you follow Christ. If we are going to make a difference in people's lives, if we are going to be the solution for the brokenness in this world, we need to be striving to make sure our hearts are pure and blameless. Brothers and sisters, if we want to be abounding in love, we need to be growing in holiness. We want to approve what is excellent. And I believe that healthy hearts are made healthy by regular ingestion of solid doctrine. We've already talked about this, but those who grow in grace develop a taste for God's good things. So let me tell you what I mean there. Not just the word, but make sure you're filling your life with activities that are not just wholesome, okay? Not leave it to beaver, you know, whatever wholesome. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fill your life with meaningful activities. Invest in the kingdom. Invest in your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you go out to eat with a brother and sister in Christ and can't encourage them, I want to tell you, there's something blameless there. There's something pure there. There's something helpful there. You want to develop a taste for God's good things. I think that one of the reasons why we struggle with going to church or going to Sunday school or even going and praying for an hour is because we've been eating too much of the world's junk food. And we don't even know what to do with a healthy steak, as it were, of gospel grace. 
The only way to fix that problem is to nibble on the good things and realize that whatever it is you've been feeding on is nowhere near as good as what Jesus has to give you. And the more you nibble on those good things, the more you will realize that you are growing in grace. Now, I want you to look at that word pure. And here we have our second uh, word picture, actually third, but, but second in terms of our points. And if you'll look at the picture behind me, it's just of a, of a linen um, piece of cloth hanging from a clothesline. Um, for those of you who are under 50, um, that is the uh, clothes dryer uh, there. That's, that's how we used to do it. I actually remember knocking things off my mother's clothesline and getting in a lot of trouble. But my soccer ball somehow always found a way to knock off those clothes. But anyway, there you have it. Now, the picture here of pure is the picture of someone holding up a piece of cloth in the sunlight. Do you see that in the picture there behind me? Where the sun is able to shine through the cloth and reveal everything about it. If, if Paul lived in modern times, he might use a term like x-ray. Now let me just ask you this question. When Christ's light shines through you, where are the spots? Where are the spots? What parts of your character need cleaning? The light of Jesus reveals all. And I feel like in the church today, one of our problems is, is that we can hide our sin and shortcomings from one another, and we're so good at it, we think that we're good enough to hide them from God as well. And I want to say to you that when it comes to love abounding in your heart, love will not abound if there is impurity in your heart and soul. The only way that we can grow in love is to close the door to sin and not allow sin's stains to remain. But when we are washed in the blood of the Lamb, when the light shines through, people are able to look right through and see Jesus. Our lives, when we are doing it right, it's not that we draw attention to ourselves, but we are pointing people to the perfection of Jesus. And I pray that love will abound in your heart that others can see. I think the church today, again, D.A. Carson's warns that many Christians today are satisfied with mediocrity when it comes to purity and blamelessness. We feel like if we go to church just a little bit, if we are, are, are mostly doing uh, what Christians are supposed to do, that that is enough. And I'm just asking you, church, to, to say no to that that, that idea, that worldview, that we need to do the minimum for Jesus. I'd like to see us do a little more. I'd like for us to turn up uh, the volume a little bit uh, in our love for Jesus. It's such an easy analogy, but people get all worked up about a football game that doesn't mean anything to anybody, and I've done it too. But here's the deal. That same kind of excitement in the context of the church, and they think we're all crazy. Some of you think, yeah, well, Johnny, you probably are. But anyway, I'm trying to get there. But here's the deal. I, I would rather, I would rather be like David and dance mightily before the Lord than to be in some dark place all the time and, and, and smug and self-righteous. Listen, if we're going to open up our hearts to Jesus, we're closing the door to sin. But once we open up our, our heart to Jesus and the love flows in, that purity and blamelessness, it doesn't have to be emotive and expressive. It doesn't have to be uh, loud and obnoxious in any way. But I'm going to tell you, when you speak and when you enter into a, a place, the presence of Jesus is with you. 
And I'm challenging you, church, to think about where you stand with God. And right now, your effectiveness, the love you're able to share, is directly connected to either your purity and blamelessness or lack thereof. And our third point comes from our last verse, verse 11. Let love consume your daily activities. Now, obviously, if love is, is you know, taking over your mind, your, your knowledge and discernment, if love is helping you live a life of purity and blamelessness, then I think it's fair to say you will be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now, this is one of Paul's favorite word pictures. He uses it all the time. An old commentator by the name of F.B. Meyer provides a beautiful insight into this phrase, fruit of righteousness. He points to the fact that a fruit tree is, in a sense, the most beautiful in springtime. If you think about it, here in a few months, uh, those fruit trees will have beautiful blooms on them. And it's overwhelming when you can walk into an orchard and just see countless blooms Those fresh green leaves and the brilliant budding flowers burst in our sight. But those flowers have a greater purpose. The flowers are meant to one day become fruit. And they become fruit in the fall. And though fruit is beautiful, as you can see in its own right, that beautiful red fruit there on the screen, that we can say that's beautiful. There's there's also something there that we see that's practical. We know that that's nourishing and good to eat. I want to just challenge you, church, that your Christianity cannot just be a springtime Christianity. It's not enough for us to work hard on having the good appearances that we might see on the tree in spring. Our job and our goal and our passion ought to be that we are moving towards fruitfulness, It is not enough to know the truth if you're not going to share the truth. God is filling you with knowledge and discernment of who he is. He is driving you towards purity and blamelessness. Why? So that you can bear fruit that remains. The church needs to have knowledge, proper doctrine. The church needs to have holiness and purity. No doubt, no exception. But we can't stop there. We have to apply these truths. Gospel love is not just for show. Gospel love always nourishes us and those around us. And let me just say, if you've been working on the flower, but you haven't had any fruit, then I'm going to ask the Lord to get a hold of you today. Because it is time for your life to make a difference The world is hungry for truth. They are searching for meaning. Be fruitful. Your witness can be satisfying. The more I read about our witnesses, the more I read about who we are in Christ, I believe your story is a difference maker. Who you are in Christ can make a difference in this world. All for the glory and praise of God. Notice in the text, verse 11, that's where we end. To the glory and praise of God. Why do we want love changing our minds and our hearts and motivating our ministry, all for Jesus, all for him. Everything we've talked about here today isn't to make you look good or to make Ridgecrest look good. It's ultimately for the praise and glory of Jesus. If we abide in Jesus, John 15 tells us, Jesus tells us in John 15, we will abound in grace. And I'm asking you this morning to consider 
where you stand with the Lord. Verse 11 reminds us that these things happen through Christ Jesus, or through Jesus Christ. This is the seventh time in just 11 verses where the name of Jesus is mentioned. The gospel of Jesus Christ must fill our minds, our hearts, and our schedules with love. In other words, as we've been saying all along, we have to make sure that the doors are closed so that the outside enemy cannot get in. And by having those doors closed and locked with joy, love grows. And one more time, let's go through these images. The bucket. This morning as we wrap up, are you feeling empty? Do you feel like it's been a long time since you've had overflow, passion, because of who Jesus is? Take a look at the white sheet hanging on that clothesline. And I just want to ask you this. Has sin made you feel unclean? If there is sin in your heart, then it will. The light is shining this morning and showing some, some areas where you need him to forgive you. And finally, the tree. How many of us, how many of us have been feeling like maybe we haven't bore fruit in a long time? Maybe it's been too much show faith instead of a fruitful ministry. I just want to say to you this morning that these pictures are powerful images. And if we'll listen to what Scripture is saying, our hearts can abound with love. I want to see you and me. I would like to see all of us filled with the love of Jesus. Oh, friends, don't leave this place without getting your mind right, your heart right, so that what you do will be for His righteousness. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, to learn more about us or get connected, visit RidgecrestBaptist.org.